Welcome to episode 73 of Friends of Film, a podcast that's nice movie news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Zack Snyder's Lost, New Mutants Tone, Star Wars Episode 8 details, and more after we review Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man, Tell No Tales. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man that still can tell tales, Josh Straley. I am not dead yet, so <laughs> that's great, even though, you know, maybe this movie put me to sleep a little bit Ooh. at certain points okay but i have lived to tell about it yes and uh you're gonna be kicking off our review this week of the fifth pirates of the caribbean movie uh we'll probably get into some spoiler talk so once we get into spoiler territory there'll be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip that if desired because uh, we do have a lot of very uh important and interesting news to talk about this week uh, but we're going to k- start with our view of Pirates 5. If you want to skip the spoiler section, just check the description. But, Josh, what did you think of the fifth Pirates movie? Well, I was worried it was going to be like a huge CGI cash grab. From all of the trailers, I was thinking, okay, it doesn't look like there's a story here. It's just, uh, you know what, let's do another Pirates of the Caribbean. Everybody else is doing something. But it didn't turn out that way. Um, it, it was a decent story with... All of the fun that goes along with the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and they had some well-executed set pieces and was a nice piece of cinematography. Uh, so I, I can't bash it too much. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Joe Chim Renning and Espen Sandberg, I think, made a good fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. But at the end of the day... I'm tired of the franchise, and I want to see it end. And maybe this movie does that for us. Maybe it doesn't. Um, it's great to see Johnny Depp back as Jack Sparrow, being you know just the the same guy we've seen the last four movies. There's even though they did try to include some backstory to him or an early version of his life, it didn't didn't change you know who Jack Sparrow is today you don't get any like sudden realizations for him or like he doesn't learn any lessons he's just this one static guy you know getting into shenanigans all across the ocean um which you know is fine but uh the the two newcomers um Brenton Thwaites am Mm -hmm. I saying that right and uh Kayla Skuld Scoldelario. Uh They're fantastic together. Um, they kind of have the Will uh, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan mm-hmm. dynamic going uh, through the movie, sort of. Um, and it it's cute, but at the end of the movie, you kind of think, wait, did they really have any chemistry together? Like it's like kind of like a love story that's like oh, I'm not supposed to love her, or we told you you love her, or, you know, something like that. So it it didn't fit, but it was it was good to see Johnny Depp just kind of poke and prod um, them along, you know, the journey. Uh, as for, like, you know, the MacGuffin for the movie or, the, you know, the the proverbial rifle, the Poseidon, the trident of Poseidon, and how it, is it spoilers to say what it does? No, uh, yeah, it's, let's not talk about it. Okay, it's well, it's sort of like, you know, the, the greatest object that you could achieve on the ocean, you know, you could obtain. And Pirates movies have always been about kind of like the treasure and factions, you know, going after it. And this kind of takes what those Pirates movies have been about to like a 10. And that's kind of fun. But then you get to the point where like, okay, I'm losing track of what they want it for and what they want to do with it. And, you know, it just goes 
back and forth all across the map until the point where I'm like, I'm just so confused right now. Mm-hmm. And then up till the end, uh, it's sort of anticlimatical, um, anticlimatic, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that's cute, nice, and everything's wrapped up with a bow, but ultimately everything was about nothing. Uh, so at the end of the day with the story being sort of bare bones, but everything around it being kind of nostalgic and fun, I'm going to give it three tickets subs out of five. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, I'm not, you know, the biggest pirates Caribbean fan. You just saw all of them this year, right? Uh, or either, last either this year or last yeah. late, late last year. Yes. So it's, I mean, they are still kind of fresh in my mind, but also, I've kind of forgotten about most of them, um, but I did rewatch the first one ahead of this. Uh, I mean, that, it's not you know the biggest shock to say it's the, the best one uh, that still holds up in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Johnny Depp's probably at his best, uh, even though uh, I do think, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but I think his Oscar nomination kind of ruined his career a little bit because uh, then in his mind, I think that just kind of established, oh, this is what I should do in my acting career and not do like dramatic stuff anymore that he did in the past. Sure. And so then he just like wants to be like these random outlandish cartoon characters almost. Um, but as far as pirates five goes, I left pretty mixed on the movie. Uh, it's, it feels like a franchise reboot. That's also re re reuses and feels very much like the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, like you said, Kyle Scottolario and Brenton Thwaites, uh, they had decent chemistry, but they're trying to be the new Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley, and they just don't even yeah. come close. Because they're, I mean, that chemistry was just so good in the first movie and that whole first trilogy that it's it's tough to match that for anybody, let alone two you know up and coming actors. You're trying to replace legends, and that's yeah. just not going to happen. So uh, I did, I did. They were probably my one of my favorite parts of the movie because I liked mm-hmm. their characters. Uh, their journeys are way too similar because they're basically like we have the exact same goal but for a a little bit different reasons Mm -hmm. Uh, even though those reasons are also very much kind of the same Uh, I did actually like Javier Bardem as Salazar I think a lot more than I anticipated Uh, not because anything against Javier Bardem but just from the trailers and everything he looked you know, he, he's super CG. I didn't know if that was going to work for me throughout the whole movie. Uh, and it did for the most part. I still think he's not, you know, he's not the greatest villain. He's just kind of out for revenge for something that is, I mean, understandable, but yeah, you know. he's, he's not captain Barbosa in curse of the black pearl, right? He's more uh black beard from stranger tides mm-hmm. shows up. One movie has little, barely any motivation yeah he's yeah he's just out for revenge which i mean i get it that's what a lot of villains are out for but i, I mean it's javier Bardem, so i would have liked to see him get a little more uh backstory um but yeah johnny depp playing the fifth uh time as jack sparrow he's just kind of like playing like a cartoon it feels like it doesn't really feel like an actual character he's just like yeah. stumbling around drinking constantly he doesn't have that wit anymore for me. At least he, they try to keep that, but it doesn't land most of the time. Uh, and like kind of that clever stuff that, you know, Jack Sparrow is always good at just like either finding a way out of, out of a situation that you shouldn't be able to find a way out of or tricking somebody, manipulating them, whatever it is. He doesn't really 
continue that on anymore. Instead, he just he's just drunk and make cracking jokes, mm-hmm. and that's not really what I wanted. And like you mentioned, the whole like young Jack, you know, section. I think that was actually probably the the closest thing to Jack Sparrow that this movie had, because oh, okay. it was like he cleverly found a way to get out of a situation that was going to end in his death and his demise. And it's his first act as a captain. And he found a way to outsmart Salazar and, you know, in a pretty clever and cool way where I was like, that was actually, you know, that was good. I liked that. Okay. Uh, I don't, I didn't need this whole CG didn't look the best, but yeah, uh, I see. I knew it was, it wasn't it, yeah. a new act. I think, I think when, uh, what happened was, I mean, they always have those like standing guys. Yes. And that's where somebody was like, oh, yeah, this is guy's playing young Jack Sparrow. And I was like, oh, so it's not CGI. But it's, he's definitely. But yeah, they definitely yeah. CGI'd a young Johnny Depp's face in. Um, the action uh, in this movie, that's always another big point for the Pirates franchise. There wasn't a lot that was great. Uh, really? Not that not, not that even, I not, not that, that I not loved. even the escape scene at the the town. I mean the very opening. Yeah. You mean when they replicated the end of Fast Five? To an extent, yes. <laughs> but it was way less cool. <laughs> I I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, large scale coordinating all that was pretty impressive to watch. I mean, when it's practical, yes, I know it's okay. Like you are actually towing around a giant building, like that mm-hmm. is impressive. But then it's like okay, here comes the tunnel. Like, here comes the bridge. How is he going to get over it? And he just, like, runs over top of it, and then that whole house just barricades everybody inside. It's like, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that was literally my first thing I thought of when they were stealing a safe. I was like, this is just like Fast Five, but with pirates and horses and not outlaws and cars. <laughs> and it, it didn't work for me as well. Um, so the other thing I just want to – this is maybe a nitpick a little bit, but – their advertising and their marketing kept saying the final adventure. And clearly this is not the final pirates movie. Uh, I mean, it it sets up future things. Yes. So I don't know. And I don't think, I mean, this movie is going to make going to make its money back Mm -hmm. internationally. These movies always do very well. And I think Disney knows because of everything they did in this movie that they're going to make another one. And so then for the marketing to like kind of, pull you pull those longtime fans in who maybe skipped four uh like oh here's here's the send-off Shh, we're actually making another one yeah don't tell anybody well like to, to be fair to the marketing it has always said the final adventure begins <laughs> so this is the first and you know a new trilogy <laughs> yeah, of the, okay the quote-unquote i guess final adventure <laughs> but yeah i was kind of hoping that this was going to be the final one uh it's not and uh but i did still it, it also is a little long I think this is the shortest Pirates movie, but it feels really long. Because there's so much, your your brain, does, like I said, like there's a lot of factions and so many things happening yeah. in this movie. Like B, 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 sub B, B plots, if you will, mm-hmm. um, with, you know, the Trident being the overarching theme. By the time you get to that final moment, you're just like, so much of nothing has happened to get to this point yeah that it's you're you're exhausted yeah and that's kind of where i was at with like uh jeffrey rush as uh barbosa like he's not really that in, important to this movie but they were like but we can get him back mm-hmm. so let's just have him go <laughs> yes. along for the ride for whatever reason uh and yeah i mean it's really he's just kind of there to serve this random mini twist in the final 30 minutes that doesn't really do anything so Overall, uh, 
I think it's just a it's a it's an okay movie. It's not I'm not recommending it to people. I don't think it's the worst Pirates movie, um, but I'm gonna give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. Okay, that's fair for sure. Uh, so can I talk to you about my biggest problem with though? Yeah, do you want to move into spoilers? Yeah, with spoilers. Okay, yes. Pirates of the Caribbean has been like you know treasure hunts, fantasy tales of the ocean, right? And we'll talk about it in a minute, but there's clearly a tease that this is going to continue. But how do you have the Pirates of the Caribbean you know stories unfold about magic and curses and all of that if the Trident of Poseidon, which is like you know which controls the oceans or like the curses mm-hmm. and like all the magic, is gone? That just it's made me so like you know not angry, but it's just like oh, so all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you know, going forward aren't going to be about magic or any other kind of like you know old pirates tales. I'm sure they'll find they'll make up some other random relic. Yeah, it's just it, it bugged me a ton. It's, it was cool when I thought it was the end, but now that I know it's not the right. end, it's like oh, of course, okay, yeah. you know, large eye roll. Yeah, uh, I thought it was super weird from the marketing again that they showed Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley kind of like they, it wasn't just like a quick little like random glimpses. You had to pause and really you know study it and dissect mm-hmm. it to make sure like oh that is it. It's very front and center. This is Orlando Bloom, this is Keira Knightley. They're back, and Orlando Bloom is in two scenes. Keira Knightley is in one, and two and. Keira Knightley's and the other of Orlando Bloom's comes at the very end and Orlando Bloom's other scene comes at the very beginning. Yeah. So it's like, why why are you doing this? Because you're kind of, again, I think it's a little bit of mismarketing to people who love the first one or at least, or maybe even the first trilogy and it's like, the final adventure begins and they see Keira Knightley, they see Orlando Bloom, they see Jack Sparrow. It's like, oh, the whole gang's back together mm-hmm. after what happened in the fourth movie. We can push that aside and we can, we can, we get our core group back. But, you really don't. You get Jack Sparrow with B-list, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you wait to find them and meet up with actual Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, I I was shocked that because I, I kept thinking like, all right, any moment now we're going to have a surprise entry by Orlando Bloom, the Flying Dutchman mm-hmm. and his cast of, you know, Ocean Dweller pirates yeah. or whatever they are now. And it never happened. I'm like, all right, they're they're in a pickle here. So I guess who's going to come save them? <laughs> No? Oh, okay, that's how they get out of it. It's just like, it was build up and then like depression for yeah. two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes, whatever it was. So it was no, the movie's like 210, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, if, that's what I'm saying. It feels like it's like 240. Mm-hmm. So and, by, yeah, and it, yeah, it was mismarketing, but I think we've talked about how they're actually going to be a part of movies going forward. I mean, that definitely what, I mean, that's what it, it looks like for that sure. had better happen. Or else, you know, I, I mean, I'll probably still see it anyway, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. The best part of the movie was when Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley reunited. Mm-hmm. So I was like, they're back. Yeah, it was. They're a- back together. It put a smile on my face, even though I'm not the biggest Pirates fan. I was like, they're the best parts of these movies. And now they're back and it looks like they're going to be, you know, somehow in the mix in some level in the sixth movie. Yeah, it's been like nine years since uh we were left with like you know the hanging of will has to go out to sea and it can only show up on land once every seven years yeah so that was like touching to finally have that concluded because when the trident gets destroyed Mm -hmm. the curse of davy jones is lifted so he can be himself again yep the 
whatever yeah, he that loses, stuff he loses growing. all the shells yeah. and everything growing on his face yeah thankfully yes. uh yeah which I was, I was very happy about um but what did, what did you think about the whole thing of making Karina, uh, Kaya Scuderino's character, uh, Barbosa's daughter? Again, needless, not needless backstory. It was co- kind of cool and cute to see him have, you know, something uh, outside of just being like a terrible pirate. Mm-hmm. Because once he got the curse lifted himself, I'm sure that's you know, what he went on land to do and he would eventually end up having a daughter. But it was like a, it was like a lame connection to the movies where it's like, Oh, okay. You know, it's like the star Wars formula. Like, yeah, Oh, everybody's, everybody's related. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, I feel differently about it you in, know, star Wars, in, yes. in my franchise. It was just sort of like a, one of those final things that popped up in the movie. And I was like, Oh, Oh, cool. But now nah, I don't care. I get where you're going with the, with the Star Wars thing because I had the same kind of thought, but it it's not also the same because like they kind of just kind of sh- it felt like this like they, they just shoehorn this in to the final part of the movie so that way they right. could have that big emotional type payoff where you know Barbosa saves his daughter when a resurrected and supposedly like you think he'd be good now and happy yeah salazar like tries to like, kill her for whatever reason he's like climbing up the anchor mm-hmm. he's like nope i'm gonna kill you keep us and drown us both and right. uh just so uh what's her name karina could say oh yeah for uh, for one second i had everything and now yeah. i've lost it all mm-hmm. it's like it, was, it just it was unnecessary yeah. again with the b plots yeah it's just like uh and an a needless attempt to have another emotional hook. Yeah. You know, that misses. Yeah. The other thing that really bothered me, and I, I double checked with you before we started recording to make sure that this actually happened. Oh yes, please. They gave Jack Sparrow's name a backstory in yeah. the movie because in the whole young Jack scene where we see a CGI uh, face for Johnny Depp on another person's body, uh, throughout the whole thing, Javier Bardem is giving this monologue about you know, this the first time that he met Jack Sparrow and that how he how he ruined his life and everything. And throughout it, he doesn't call him Jack Sparrow, but then he's like, "I saw this boy Jack up on a perch, and he reminded me of a sparrow." And then I called him Jack the Sparrow. And at that moment, I just kind of sat back in my chair a little bit, thinking, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't he been Jack Sparrow this entire time? Right. And supposedly the way they make it seem in this movie is Salazar somehow gave Jack his Sparrow surname, mm-hmm. even though in that tale, it ends with Salazar dying yes. <laughs> and being trapped within this death triangle. Right. So how does that work? <laughs> yeah. It is like, it lends you to say, wait, so if he's stuck there with him and his entire crew, how in the world does anyone, you know, know to call Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow? Yeah. Or why would, will. or why would Jack Sparrow go by Jack Sparrow? Yes. Yeah. Even, even better. Of like, course. There's no, there's no reason. It was such a dumb thing to do that. It's like you're kind, you're like almost taking away some of the legend of Jack Sparrow because you're like, oh, he was just a guy named Jack. He could have been named Jack Johnson. Right. <laughs> and yes. then he's like, 
But then, you know, randomly, he was like, you know, I'm going to call that guy Jack Sparrow. And I'm going to let these other people tell, I'm going to tell the tale to these other people. And they're going to start talking about Jack Sparrow, mm-hmm. the best pirate on the sea. And then somehow it's going to come back to Jack Sparrow. And he's going to hear about this. And he's going to say, yeah, you know what? I like that name. I'm going to go by Jack Sparrow. Right. You, or you could have had Johnny Depp, like, clean it up and say, like, you know, oh, some a lot of people kept calling me that, you know. So I was just like, hey, I'll take it. But yeah. that doesn't happen either. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah, it's like I compared it to beforehand of like Han Solo. If like somehow his name is just Han, and they mm-hmm. don't mention his first name in the young Han Solo movie, and then Woody Harrelson or whoever the villain is in the movie just randomly says that, oh, you're by yourself, you might as well be a, you're you're a solo Han, you're you're Han Solo, and then yes, Alden Ehrenreich goes. <laughs> Yeah, I like that name. It's a good smuggling name. I'm going to use that from now on. Like, right. No. Or, you know, right before he takes off at the end, he, like, talks into the com, com like, this is Han Solo. But, right. no, he's got Chewie with him. So, like, why would you even say that? Yeah. It's just. It's, it's dumb. <laughs> we're off course here. Uh, but, I mean, do you have any other spot thoughts about this? No. It's, I mean, not really. Like, again, I liked Brenton Thwaites and uh, Kyle Scaldelario, but they didn't have much to do because I felt like it was still, they kept pushing Jack Sparrow into the forefront. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to. Also, what was up with Paul McCartney's cameo? I thought, okay, I did have that to say, and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I, I, I liked it because I knew it was Paul McCartney and uh-huh. him and Johnny Depp occupy the same, the same headspace in my mind. Yeah. So when they were together, I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. It was just so weird. It, yeah, it was. It was. Totally... It was James Franco Alien Covenant style, like random. Yeah. Because like, there's, there's no, there's literally no reason. And oh, which I forgot this whole, because this whole scene leads into another thing. I was like, why is this happening? Um, why would those guards be like, okay, yeah, we'll let him stop. We'll stop taking him to his execution <laughs> and let him talk to this random jail guy for whatever reason. Then turns out it's his uncle Jack played by Paul McCartney and then they go out to kill Jack Sparrow and right before they're about to kill him and Karina Karina starts giving this huge monologue about how she has these last words she's Mm -hmm. technically allowed to say and then her and Jack have this huge back and forth and it's like kind of it's I think it's it's supposed to be comedic yeah because you have the like dramatic head turns from everybody watching these executions but it just goes on forever and ever and ever. I'm like, at some point, someone's why would you plug? not just kill them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like it? It's just dumb. Uh, yeah, it, it, I. I mean, did you think it was funny, or do you, no. you think any of part any of it was okay? Not I, really. I giggled like once or twice, mostly at the crowd. You know, shifting heads back and forth, just because I thought that was. I liked. Yeah, I liked the loud noises of everybody going. Whoo, whoo. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know it. it it's a, it's a pirates movie. Nothing. You're not. It's not supposed to make logical sense or yeah. you know, be a real world. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. It's like you know, it's not supposed to be real. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of the entire sequence in On Stranger Tides where he's at the that king's uh, mansion and that whole thing goes down and how he like swings across the yeah. chandelier with all the pastries and whatnot. I thought and, that was kind of fun. Yeah. It, it's all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's, do you have any other thoughts on pirates five? That, I mean, that's all I have at the end of the day. It's, it's a, it's, it's another pirates movie. It's a rehash of the first, but you don't have any, there's no, the, the nostalgia that they try to sell you on doesn't exist. Yeah. Until the final two minutes of the movie. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a serviceable pirates movie. Uh, 
it's not one I'm recommending to people unless you're if you're a diehard Pirates fan, you've probably already seen it, so I'll probably don't have to recommend it to you. Um, but we did get a post credit scene teasing the return of Davy Jones because that is a thing. Yeah, it, Will and um, Elizabeth are together again, and Will wakes up like in a cold sweat, and the door opening, and then there you see the infamous Davy mm-hmm. Jones claw hand, hook hand. What or the claw hand? Yeah, it's a claw. Yeah. Do you see the hand? You, I remember seeing his uh, tentacles that in was like a, the shadow. Yeah, because the hand opens the door. Oh, you could. I, okay, I didn't. Yeah, I you get like door. a glimpse of it. Okay. And then um, Will wakes up again, and this time like in another cold sweat, and then you realize, oh, it was just a dream. And then at the end, you see the tentacles under the bed. No, you see. Um, it's like the the mollusks or whatever, like okay. on the floor with yeah. water, and you're like, oh, so he was there. It's that it wasn't just like a dream. So, so, uh, so the revenge of Davy Jones is the I sixth part of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, yeah, go figure. So, uh, do you do we care about Pirate Six? We ca- I care about Pirate Six because it will have Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan back in it. Yeah, you know? I I will care about it if that is the case and yes. that it's. You know, it's them two are the main focuses now. Brenton Thwaites and Kai Scodelario. There's got to get that last name right. Scodelario are back in some supporting role. Mm-hmm. And then Jack Sparrow comes in for like a sequence to help them out of a dire situation. Right. And then that's it. If, yes. that, if that is the way they go with the sixth movie, I will be on board for it a little bit. But if it's, I don't expect much from it at this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the end of uh, this review. We finished our first month of the summer season. It's uh, been a little disappointing. So far, not so great. Uh, uh, they're, they've, they're a one for four, or one, one, four, five, I guess, because I've liked Guardians, but there have been four other summer movies that come out in the month of May that I did not like. What's the one I'm missing? Guardians, Alien, Pirates, and? King Kingsman. Uh, so, so three that I didn't like. The fourth one is Baywatch. Oh, of course. So, I'm not there yet. But yes, I will have opinions next week, folks. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to some news, and as always, we're going to start with a couple of trailers we got, uh, including the final trailer for Valeria: City of a Thousand Planets or City of a Thousand Cities. City of a Thousand Planets. Yes. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I've been I've been excited for this movie, and this one's like a fast mashup of. Everything that's going to be awesome about this film, including what is the coolest shot that they've done uh, in all of the trailers, and it's Valerian just smashing through these walls into like different realms of what Alpha is, and it's so so cool. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that? I, I thought that was awesome. I mean, but again, though, the movie looks visually stunning. Um, Valerian and Laureline, uh look like they're going to have like a you know, crazy time on alpha, but I still don't know what the big threat is or the big plot other than some big ship crashing down into the ocean. So there's lots of adventure to discover and I, I can't wait to see it, but I may be overhyping this a little bit because you seem timid <laughs> about it. What's the deal? Uh, yeah, I would say timid uh, is a good way to put it, I guess. I mean, yes, it's very colorful. You know, the CGI and everything looks great. But it doesn't have any substance, so I'm not super interested in it. Did you think point. it was a good trailer? Well, but at I, the same time, more. I the think same. it looks like the trailers that have come out before. It's, okay, it's a lot of colors. It's a lot of 
you know, there's some semi-action pieces. There's like some neat visuals, but I don't know anything about the story. I don't really know anything about these characters. Uh, and it's opening against Dunkirk, so I'm definitely not seeing it opening weekend if I have to choose one movie. So okay, fair enough. Uh, it's and this movie cost like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's gonna even if the movie's great, which I hope it is. I hope I'm wrong that I think this movie's not gonna be very good. But it's, I, I, it's it's not gonna make its money back. You don't think it will? Oh, I think it'll wreak havoc in the Asian markets. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. But how about a movie you're excited about? Uh, yes, we got our, also our final trailer for Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, this one added some new layers to his suit. We got mm-hmm. to see basically his Jarvis uh, light up and talk about his 400 different web combinations. We got to see a couple of them on display, which I think is pretty cool. He's like, yeah. he's like bomb, bomb web, and uh, do this other web. It's like it's, that's a cool way to do it and give Spidey more abilities and just okay, I've, I I I just have this one type of web. Now we can have. You know, super strength web. He can have you know super sticky web. He could do all these. If he has four hundred combinations, there's got to be some really wacky stuff. Yeah, that he's gonna be able to pull, and it still looks just as good as all the other trailers. So mm-hmm. I'm still hyped for this movie, despite a really terrible C- uh, uh, Photoshop poster that came out this week. Oh yeah, We're, well, we trying to make it look like you know every other. Uh, basically blockbuster film like yeah. star wars which i or, hate i hate those f- terrible photoshop posters yeah i i think they can be cool i loved episode sevens but i did love this trailer because it got back to the teenager mm-hmm. part of it like the second one let me down because it kind of shooed the the Hughesian john Hughesian nature of the movie but it got back to this and it was so fun you know um listening to peter talk about his day to tony stark you know it made it made yeah. him see like a dad-like figure as somebody he, gave me a churro it was yeah, awesome yeah. <laughs> the youthful aspects of peter are on full display and it's it's really it's really charming to have tom hollands you know just lay that all out there like that because he's clearly idolizing and wanting to impress tony uh so that that's really cool um and then like you said the suit he's like mini iron man which is awesome i love that uh plus the suit in the trailer this trailer looks a lot better than what i've seen in the first two and in civil war oh it looks they, way better than they civil added war. a lot of detail to it that i thought was missing mm-hmm. and it looks absolutely yeah. excellent yeah like I loved Tom Holland and Spider-Man Civil War, but that suit was just, you could tell that they just like, okay, well, we don't know if he's going to make it into this movie or not. Mm -hmm. So here's a CGI version and they don't really have a real suit until you see that one shot of like Tom Holland pulling off his mask and they're just like, it doesn't look, it looks like just cloth. It doesn't look like tailor made. It doesn't look fitted. It doesn't look really like anything other than like red and blue. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm very pleased with the suit for this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, um, there's the final parts of it that, you know, kind of have uh, Peter still trying to develop a superhero character or persona and his conversation with Donald Glover. Don't know what it's around, but he finally gets a little bit meta with Peter Parker and he's like, dude, you're not good at this. He's like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean not good at it? Like, gonna be uh, intimidating. He's like, I am intimidating. (laughs) And it's just like, okay, they've totally nailed down the spider-man yeah. you know to the point where it's self-referential but it's also a little bit satirical but it's still you know the perfect combination of a superhero that yeah. is my favorite and that whole convo makes me wonder if uh he will be somehow connected to miles morales I, 
whether it's he's going to be his uncle or his older brother or something, I think in some way Childish Gambino will be <laughs> leading in Miles into the MCU at some point. That'd be epic. Um, but we do have some uh, really uh, heartbreaking news to get to as well. A uh, lot more serious than we've probably ever been on the podcast before, but uh, THR uh, revealed this week, thanks to an interview with Zack Snyder, uh, that he's stepping down from Justice League. Um, he is a divisive director, and some people may have seen that and been like, oh, you know, okay, well, maybe this is, means some good things for Justice League because maybe they'll get a different director on. Um, and they are. Joss Whedon is going to be taking over directing duties. He's going to help with reshoots uh, at certain points. He's going to finish the editing process and everything for Snyder. But the reasoning behind Snyder's you know, absence on Justice League couldn't be any really worse. Uh, he revealed that in March, his daughter Autumn committed suicide at the age of 20. Um, Snyder has since been keeping this whole thing secret and not letting this be known to the public because he wanted to deal with it privately and as a family. And then he wanted to get back to work on Justice League. But mm-hmm. as he did this, he realized that he couldn't afford to really spend all this time away from his family and that he he and his family needed to be together uh, at this point in their lives. So he, he stepped down at, even after Warner Brothers offered to push Justice League, which is, I think, a very classy move on their part. Um, but Snyder said no because he didn't think that was best. And he knows that this is a highly anticipated movie and that people want it now. Uh, the other thing about this is kind of, you know, st- sad but also very very real is that uh he wanted to keep this very private he didn't want people to know about this uh so much so that you know this has been kept quiet for two months uh, at this point nobody knew about it and he's still been doing press rounds for wonder woman and stuff and doing press for justice league and everything and doing this all with a big smile on his face putting on a show but also dealing with this tragedy behind closed doors and the, the sad thing is if they would have just announced that, you know, Zack Snyder's taking a leave of absence from justice league or whatever, and that Joss Whedon's replacing him, they didn't disclose the reasons why, mm-hmm. you know, this week on the podcast and, you know, the next couple of weeks, or whatever people, you know, us included would probably been saying, Oh, this, this, this probably doesn't mean very good things about justice league. Yeah. Uh, you know, he probably screwed things up really bad in the editing or the shooting. And that's, I mean, it's, that's what we would do. I know for a fact, that's where my mind would have gone. Um, so he ha- he almost was forced by us <laughs> in a way yeah, to absolutely. reveal this information, uh, which is kind of, you know, just been a very serious thing to kind of think about. I've been thinking about a lot this week of just the way, you know, I know Jack- Zack Snyder and DC are not listening to this podcast, uh, but just, you know, the way that, you know, as somebody who writes about film and everything, that the way I write articles and kind of, you know, bend the narrative of a certain story to either be positive or negative or just my overall thoughts uh, on a movie uh it's made me you know kind of take a step back and not be just like okay well that movie might not have been good but that doesn't necessarily reflect anything about that person um so even though i'm not the biggest Zack snyder fan uh this could not be any worse and i was i mean i was i felt so terrible for him and uh, i will for forever uh hopefully he's able to come back at some point whenever he is ready if he mm-hmm. doesn't that is totally fine. Um, but this week I do just thoughts and prayers with Zack Snyder and his yeah, family. Absolutely. I mean, not to mention too, that, um, him and Deborah, him and Deborah both were on that 
press junket, you know, and doing rounds for not only Justice League, but Wonder Woman. And uh, I think that speaks to just their strength uh, together trying to get through this, which is something I can't fathom to get back out there one maybe I don't know how long they even took off since March but doesn't it doesn't sound like very much yeah I mean even two months just seems like rushing things and I'm glad that uh he's doing what's best for him and not you know subsiding to the pressures of uh feeling like he has to carry forward and like you just said if he wouldn't have done this interview um we would have you know the rumor mills would have churned and uh, somebody who films that we've dogged and had definitely tons of mixed feelings about uh, for the last almost two years now. Uh, it, it definitely makes you think reasons may not always be as cynical as you would think or as awful as you would think. And um, perspective and caution are always uh, great to have, especially when, you know, people like people like to keep things uh, private and you know, this is just one of the most horrific examples. But, you know, um, like you said, yeah, best wishes and prayers to uh, Zach and Deborah Snyder, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if there is, you know, there's nothing good to come out of the situation, but DC, I mean, to find, to have Joss Whedon sit in your bullpen, basically, to mm-hmm. take this over, I mean, it couldn't have be in better hands and i know joss i mean i don't know i don't i don't know joss personally sure. i wish i did that'd be cool but what you know about uh him. what i know about him and the way that he dealt with avengers and age of ultron the fallout especially the age of ultron he distanced himself very much from you know from marvel he even quit twitter because of you know the the negative feedback on age of ultron which was still a generally positive reviewed movie yeah uh so to then be like to jump into this while he's also still doing, you know, he's had his mind on Batgirl. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does make me wonder if he gave, he asked them about Batgirl after he already started working on the reshoot stuff, uh, the scripts and everything for justice league. And that's how he kind of got his foot in the door at DC or if the Batgirl thing was established beforehand, but that's totally a different discussion. So, but yeah, I mean, could not be a worse situation uh, for the Snyder family. But, uh, I mean, they do have somebody that's capable of finishing Zack Snyder's vision. And they, he, he, Joss is not going to change Snyder's vision. He's just going to reshoot a couple of additional scenes for the movie. Uh, he's not going to, you know, rework the whole entire entirety of it. I mean, there's, there's, there's A, no time. B, they, they feel pretty confident what Snyder's done so far. So yeah, he's just going to um, see it to the finish line. Yeah, and I'm, I've been so far as somebody who's you know, on social media and everything, you know, a lot uh i've been pretty pleased with the way that everybody has kind of reacted to this because whether you're a dc guy or not uh zach snyder you have an opinion about him as a filmmaker but this has nothing to do with that so to all those people who responded positively or not i mean responded in a positive way to zach snyder and wishing him the best and everything uh kudos to you to the people who you know made jokes of this or t- tried to make this uh a like a good thing uh i think i mean that's just terrible so uh let's move on to an, the other story we have in the dc extended universe uh which is less dour but also not 
necessarily the best news uh, mm-hmm. with, because Justice League Dark uh, also lost its structure this week with Variety reporting that Doug Lyman left due to scheduling conflicts with Chaos Walking, which we discussed a couple weeks ago. He's going to start filming this summer. Uh, WB is reportedly already looking for its replacement with the hard reporters Boris Kitt saying the director of the upcoming reboot of it uh andres muschietti uh is on that list as well as according to tracking boards jeff snyder uh damien zafron hmm. so uh i personally i mean i like lyman as a as a director i'm not saddened by his loss on this project but i but I, and i like kind of their direction to kind of going i don't i'm not familiar with either of their work but muschietti is a horror guy and uh, Zafron is a foreign guy. He's not made an American film. Hmm. So it tells me they're thinking outside the box in terms of their next hire, which could mean a smaller budget and more intimate tale, which I think sounds like a nice change of pace to everything we've gotten so far. And what we've heard from uh, Justice League Dark is that it's going to be a much more uh, grounded film. Like the, mm-hmm. nothing, that, that, not that nothing ever done, but... Uh, definitely a huge shift in um, DC's slate and yeah. how they've been doing movies. But yeah, I mean, Doug, Doug Lyman was going to have to give something up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's he's in post with American Made or yeah. he's, got, he's got that going, Chaos Walking, and he still wants to do... Live, die, repeat, di- and repeat. <laughs> repeat, repeat, yes. Uh, so... Uh, I'm I love that because I'm I'm really interested in chaos walking mm-hmm. and I, I always jump at the opportunity to have somebody that I'm not familiar with be given a chance mm-hmm. because uh, I mean I've become a huge fan of you know Colin Trevorrow's works and you know, like Gareth Edwards' work and like all these all these guys that get a chance to do movies and show off their talents and abilities on the main stage uh, only make me more excited for their projects going forward so. Uh, Justice League Dark is a perfect vehicle for whoever they pick. Yeah, and like like you said, if I had to choose one of the projects for alignment to leave, it would have been this one because mm-hmm. I I want to even though I hate the title, I want to see what he's going to do with Live Die Repeat and Repeat because Edge of Tomorrow was super super good, and Chaos Walking has Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, and it sounds like a really intriguing premise. So I want to see what he can do with that as well. So uh, even though I haven't seen the It reboot. From the trailer, Muschietti looks like he can deliver that horror tone pretty yeah. well. So if that's what they're going for, uh, I think he would be a great choice. Or Plus, just, he's already in the mix with WB because yeah, it's, I, the, it's a WB movie. Absolutely, and it's I mean the the ta- Stephen King writes books that are really personal yeah. because I mean there are issues that he's worked through, and if Muschietti is able to get get the tone right of the fear and the character of those kids, uh, and then you know the sequel being. You know them as adults. Uh, have no doubt he'll be able to handle a Justice League or a Justice League Dark movie. Yeah, uh, even I'm guessing they'll retitle that movie at some point. But, I'm sure. Uh, moving on to Sony, we talked about Venom last week. Now we have news on their other <laughs> Spidey spinoff, which yes. isn't a spinoff because Spider-Man is not involved. Uh, with Variety also revealing that uh, director Gina Prince by the Wood, Bithwood. I don't know. I'm going to say by the wood because that's how it's spelled. I, it's, yeah, and it's, it looks it's like a weird, it, it's an interesting name. Uh, she, anyways, she has been tapped to direct Sony's black cat and silver sable movie now titled silver and black. Uh, she will also be rewriting the scripts uh, that previously was written by Chris Yost, who also has done Thor Ragnarok and mm-hmm. others. So 
What do you think of this news? I've only seen her one film, and that's uh, Love and Basketball. Okay. Which, it's it's campy, but mm-hmm. it's it's Love and Basketball, so it's kind of fun, I guess. But um, I don't know anything about Silver Sable or Black Cat other than Sable is like a, she hunts down war criminals, mm-hmm. which sounds epic, which could mean take this movie, you know, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Africa is like the first place that comes up just because of, you know, arms deals and everything that you know happens there on a, a daily basis so it sounds it sounds like it could be pretty cool it's a little bit disappointing it's not you know set in the spider-man universe only because to, more tom holland's mm-hmm. the better but uh if silver sable and black cat can get a you know an awesome treatment on film that makes me want to see them you know in multiple movies to come or just love this movie in general i'm all about it and i do think it's i think it's by the wood and it's that's very cool because it's yeah. kind of it's almost like a throwback to like when our surnames were given off of like what we did <laughs> right like john the smith or like whatever uh-huh. i don't know it's, i think it's awesome by the yeah. way it's funny you mentioned africa as like your first thought because there's actually a leak there's a rumored plot oh. for this movie okay it sounds absolutely ridiculous but it's i think it's silver sables tracking down black cat or the other way around uh and it has like eight different spider-man villains involved all of like whether it's scorpion or Mm. uh there's like mentions of norman osborne possibly it's like it sounds absolutely ridiculous and i really hope it's not true but that is a rumor that is out there right now hero villain bring it on yeah it could be really cool um but yeah i mean i'm not familiar with gina prince uh, by the way, as a director, she directed the pilot of uh, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, which comes out next year. And the trailer from that looks pretty good. So based on that, I was going to watch one of her movies last night, but then I couldn't find any that I had sure. not to pay to watch. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know her as a director, but I think it looks like a good hire on Sony's part. I still don't understand the reasoning of this movie because who is clamoring for a black cat and silver sable movie uh let alone one that doesn't or can't be involved with spider-man like one of the other characters that that rumored thing had involved was uh spider woman oh which i don't even think sony has the rights to but yeah. uh it sounds too much too fast i would yeah it has like has literally like 10 characters that are like no marvel names that definitely sounds off the chain so but you know even if that fits that saber silver versus black cat you no, know i think it's i think it's like a team up movie kind okay. of i don't think it's them going after each other but uh, otherwise it'd be weird to call it silver and black because it sounds like they're together sure so it's like silver verse black hmm. which we don't need another versus movie <laughs> necessarily but yeah. uh i do kind of like the title even though it reminds me i was like oh are the raiders getting a movie <laughs> <laughs> so uh who knows the uh, las vegas raiders are they las vegas now yeah they they la I don't remember. Yeah. Previously known as the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, not that, you know, a black female director has to have a black female lead, but it would not surprise me if like black cat was not a white actress. Oh, I mean, yeah, they can go any route they yeah. like. I mean, that's they're, a little, that's a little on the nose a little bit with, you know, black cat, but sure. Yeah. I have mean, there are two new properties that yes. no one's experienced before. So you, Go for it. Yeah, make I mean, it yours. They reportedly want to start production later this year. Same with Venom. Uh, at one point, the Hollywood Reporter was like, "These movies are both coming out in October of next year." I was like, "Oh gosh, no, that would be terrible." Um, but definitely look to see one of those. If moves. well, I think Venom is officially slated for October, 
This one maybe could come out in, you know, November or something. I don't know. Maybe early 2019. But it looks like this spider universe is coming together somewhat. And uh, as soon as, you know, Gina Prince, by the way, has some, you know, handle on the film, we can probably get, we'll probably expect some casting news uh, relatively shortly, I would think. Let's go. But we also got casting news in the X-Men universe. This one coming with New Mutants, where we actually got a ton of info on Josh Boone's uh, upcoming New Mutants film, which uh, he told EW that it will be, quote, uh, a full-fledged horror movie set within the X-Men universe. There are no costumes. Uh, there are no supervillains. We're trying to do something very, very different. Uh, I think sounds pretty cool. It reads just like Split. To, I mean, not to, not to get a not to be too bold with it. Um, and there's the Anna Taylor uh, Joy, Joy connection, connection yeah. immediately, but then there's the horror connection because that's a franchise that she's been involved with. But I'm all about this. This sounds epic. I mean, did you read the projected synops- plot synopsis? Yeah. So it's. Uh, this is according to EW source. This isn't according to Josh Boone or Fox officially, but EW source said the plot would be quote held in a secret facility against their will. Five new mutants have to battle the dangers of their powers as well as the sins of their past. They are not to save the world. They're just trying to save themselves, which again, it's different and I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. Actually, I mean, Josh Boone, you know, taking a look at teenage angst or mm-hmm. horror and you know, all of that, uh, you know, all that goes in the mind, all that goes on, on in their heads perfect casting for that and then this plot synopsis is a perfect sequel if you will to what we saw in logan Mm -hmm. and just you know where you get a look at like you know what x23 and all those little mutant kids had to go through that was it was enraging and it was like really dark Mm -hmm. and this kind of you know being set there is a great way to kind of continue continue that i think that's gonna be epic yeah i mean it I mean, it's a horror movie, but also one that sounds like it's basically going to take the same place in like a single building, like whether that's dread or raid style, like it's Mm going to be a single, you know, focus. Like it's going to be super small. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, It starts filming this summer. And uh, if it can be a horror movie that also just like focuses on characters and what makes a superhero tick in a way, like that sounds awesome. And something that if they can keep coming up with these types of ideas, I'll be okay with Fox holding on to the X-Men. If they can make, keep making interesting movies like this or like Logan or Deadpool. Yeah. Genrefying superhero movies is a great route to take, especially when the, the mainstay is in Marvel's Marvel studios. Mm-hmm. You've got to, you've got to do work. The comedy with Deadpool, pay it off. The Western epic with Logan, fantastic mm-hmm. this new it sounds like a great way to innovate and i'm super stoked yeah and like i think the characters really lend themselves to the horror style whether it's anya taylor joy's magic who like goes to an alternate like dimension to be trained by like demonic beings i believe and like she has a super magical sword or whether that's uh, uh Maisie williams uh wolfsbane who can turn into a werewolf mm-hmm. uh, but i think the one that's most interesting as a fit and kind of opening up this door of like the horror superhero movie uh is mirage uh danny moonstar aka mirage who her ability is she can manifest the greatest fear kind of she's like kind of like a scarecrow yeah. uh in a sense if you're, D, you're familiar with this character from dc and like batman begins everything but 
Uh, she can see somebody's worst fear and make that a reality. And I think if like the synopsis is like they're dealing with, you know, their the sins of their past, like each one of those kids is probably going to have some like defining moment in their past that they're like, super afraid of, whether that's because their powers uh, didn't work and they malfunctioned, they, they hurt somebody or yeah. they weren't good enough and they couldn't save somebody to see those like visualizations in front of them and see them react to that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant way to add backstory to characters and show what makes them eventually want to be superheroes mm-hmm. because of them overcoming their basically greatest fear uh, fears. And uh, Omega Underground reported this week that uh, two Basically, newcomers to the industry, Blue Hunt and True O'Brien, are reportedly up for that role of Mirage. Not familiar with either one of them, but uh, they are looking for a Native American actress, and uh, Blue Hunt is has Native American heritage and everything. So, uh, even though I would maybe expect them to get somebody a little bit more known, uh, it it seems possible. Yeah, well, that's very cool. Absolutely. But uh, that was not the only casting for the uh, for the movie. With EW also reporting that 13 Reasons Why uh, actor Henry Zaga, uh, they've been told will soon be announced to play Sunspot, uh, as well as Rosario Dawson <laughs> being in talks to join Ooh. the project. Uh, with THR later confirming that she is in talks to play the role of Doctor Cecilia Reyes, who has the ability to form like a force field around her a small one to protect herself but also like around her fists and feet and everything to make her you know combat hit and be more powerful and stuff but she'll eventually be kind of like the um she'll be helping this new mutant team at some point in the movie and kind of Mm. be i think she's going to be their professor x kind of since he's not going to be in the movie and reports are as well as from thr that uh storm is not going to be in the movie which continues in my mind to you kind of confirm in my logic that this movie doesn't take place in the X-Men apocalypse first class timeline. Yes. It takes place in more of the Deadpool era. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that tone fits better with Deadpool, even though it is going to be PG 13. Um, but I'm not familiar with Zaga. So I don't know. He looks the part in Rosario Dawson. I love her. So if she's going to be like the mentor to this team, I, I mean, this movie just keeps sounding better and better and better. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you mentioned the PG 13 rating, Boone said they're looking for ways to make sure they get it to PG-13. Yeah. So he it's clearly falling on the, the edge of what they can do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all good things about New Mutants. Yes. Uh, we also got a quick update on the other one of the other 2018 movies coming from X-Men uh, Universe, that being Deadpool 2, with uh, Deadline reporting that Jack Kessie has been cast as one of the lead villains uh, in the sequel, and he could be playing a character named as Black Tom. Hmm. Uh, I'm not very familiar with that character, or very familiar, meaning I don't have any idea who that character is. Yeah, I do. But uh, his powers are uh, that he can manipulate, bond with, and project energy through plant life. Yeah. So look for Deadpool to relentlessly make fun of that guy. <laughs> yeah. I thought it makes a perfect fit. Not familiar with Jack Casey though. No, um, he is he is in Baywatch, so something to keep an eye out for. Okay, he plays one of uh, the villain's henchmen. Oh, perfect. He says like one or two lines, so sure. <laughs> it's not like the greatest indicator of like, oh, I see why this guy's gonna be the villain. Yeah, he's just kind of there. But uh, sure, I mean, okay. it, I mean, it sounds 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 fine. Yeah, fair enough. Doesn't make me more excited for Deadpool, but. Uh, one thing we are very excited for, Star Wars Episode Eight. Oh, yes, we are. And Vanity Fair released kind of the floodgates on the movie. 
uh, this weekend by laying out a spread of covers and photos, mm -hmm. behind-the-scenes footage, uh, as well as a huge article detailing their visit, you know, basically with everybody involved with episode eight and gave a lot of interesting details. Josh, kind of run us through Ooh. the biggest points of this thing. Well, I mean... Uh, it's an interview with just about everybody on set and um, among it, everyone's sort of remembering Carrie and whatnot, um, which is of course what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. If you've seen the photos, uh, they're epic. Yeah, the Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher one. I mean, uh, that 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 hurt my heart yeah. just looking at that. Um, and man. then like I saw like the comparison of uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher from A New Hope mm -hmm. and then their photo from now. It's like, ah, yeah, and then Hurts. people pointed out kind of like the tone shift between yeah. Luke looking fierce and Carrie looking like a little bit helpless, uh -huh. and then today where she's given the death stare to the camera, yeah. and uh, Mark Hamill is all looking warm and cuddly, and I was like, oh, that's just too perfect. Um, but yeah, uh, there's also some tidbits about the story that I that don't really get touched on. They're not big deals, but um, one of the photos is this massive, like, elegant royal party and we learned that that's you know about like a planet called canto bright which is like this monte carlo really wealthy thing that looks like leia's gonna have to go to a suck up to people <laughs> for money for the war um we get the name of the planet that luke's on achi 2 and oh, okay yeah the where he's the where the, he's on octo is part of achi 2 yes okay yeah it's the whole system i believe and we got confirmation from a little tidbit earlier uh in the year that we talked about that he is living among some indigenous creatures mm -hmm. uh so that's all really cool and uh there was also just some confirmation about kelly marine tra trans character rose and she has a sister who's uh played by veronica nago who's mm -hmm. playing Paige. yes yeah but those are all some like you know great little tidbits mm -hmm. that i thought were epic yeah uh but i think kind of the biggest things coming out of this we got a first look at Benicio del Toro. Oh yeah, playing uh, the unnamed character. Well, unnamed. They're calling him DJ. Yes. Yeah. What would you think of your look at him though? I mean, he looks he looks like Benicio del Toro playing kind of a bad guy. Yeah. Sure. So I, mean, I don't know what exactly that's going to mean, but I'm excited for it. He's described as shifty, so I don't know which way to take that. Um, I think he'll be playing both sides. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm not sure if this is confirmed by this report or not, or if this is rumors from before, but I thought he was part of the Canto Bites area, where like either okay. he is like one of the head figures there, his photo, like his appearance doesn't necessarily match up well with that, yeah. but... I could see him kind of being a overlord of the casino or something. He reminds me of like the Coruscant Undercity, like he's not quite gangster, but he definitely has some he he runs some kind of business, mm -hmm. uh, which would be really cool. Um, my my gut says this is Boba Fett, you know, in his later years, just because I think Benicio del Toro. Would so play. why DJ? Because I don't know. I think because Ryan Johnson, I believe, was the one who said. Uh, we don't necessarily we don't call we don't ever give him a name in the movie. Yeah, but we are calling him DJ. Once you see the movie, you'll know why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unless he's gonna lay down some sick beats or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I don't really know how DJ is like an obvious thing, which hopefully is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless it's like DJ, he is Boba Fett. DJ first two letters of Django. <laughs> I I don't yes yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know it would be I don't know but Del Toro has always been like my guy if they yeah. were to continue him uh so you know if he this is like a wink and a nod to a boba fett older movie maybe 
which yeah, I don't see, want I, them to do. Yeah, that's where I don't like. I don't like. I don't like Easter eggs for future films in Star Wars. But like that's where I almost think it lessens the chance because are those rumors that they're going to yes. do a kind of a a young mm-hmm. Boba Fett movie or something either post six or before four. Yeah, uh, and one of those two timelines are rumored to do a. They want to do Boba Fett in the Bounty Hunters movie. If that is the case, I'd be pretty surprised to have him be mm-hmm. in there. Um, Same here. Some people have mentioned that he has a similar scar to the one Ezra Bridgers has on Rebels. I have not looked that closely, so I can't confirm oh. if that is the case. But again, I don't know how DJ connects to that outside of there's people who have said, oh, DJ, that must stand for Dark Jedi. Well, maybe Ezra makes the turn in season five, season but four of Rebels. That but series won't conclude until after 2019 yeah but it'll be it'll be on its or it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll include early 2018 yeah but it'll be on its mid-season break so their mid-season finale could basically be a turn of ezra mm-hmm. and then be like hint go see <laughs> episode eight sure and then you'll kind of see like his future uh which i don't think is necessarily the best idea but yeah if if the rebels would end before he joins the screen mm-hmm. um that would make sense but if there's still a lot of plot left for ezra then there's definitely uh some room for that yeah i like the mystery around his character so uh we also got our first look at laura dern yes and her bright pink hair she'll mm-hmm. be playing a resistance officer uh named vice admiral holdo yeah and um I've, i i can't express how excited i am for laura dern to be in this uh, film first of all jurassic park like one of her greatest performances of course. and now she's in the revival of twin peaks which was another awesome mm-hmm. uh career move and then you know finally getting to see her hopefully play some kick-ass resistance general uh to be you know the the number two to general leia will be so cool because i, I don't know that role uh there's just so many ways they could go with that role yeah. so i'm super stoked but yeah. yeah very very elegant and mm-hmm. the pink hair and like all of that stuff. Um, very cool. Yeah. Laura Dern's great. She, uh, have you seen the third season of Kimmy Schmidt? I have not finished it yet. Is she in that? She does. Oh my goodness. She shows up for, I think an episode oh. or maybe two, but yeah. um, she's great. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, she, I like the pink hair. It definitely makes her stand out. I don't, can't recall really anybody with pink hair and, you know, no, this is the first, I mean, I think, or, um, uh, one of one of the rebels characters has like pink highlights, but sure. I mean, she definitely looks regal. Uh, but with her being part of the resistance, I definitely think she is going to be on the opposite side of Leia, and they're going to be like the two powerhouses kind of fighting for. Okay, Lord Dern's gonna be saying, "Okay, we we should go out this way," and then Leia's gonna say, "No, mm-hmm. we should go and keep attacking." the first order and she's gonna say no we need to yeah you know, we need to sit back and relax a little right. bit but uh the moral or dern uh, i think the better yeah i agree uh and then the other thing we got which wasn't actually from the vanity fair uh article but it was from david camp's ama on reddit uh where he was somebody asked him about you know what does he know about snoke uh, and he said well i asked ryan johnson and he's like well we don't really get into snoke very much so if you're going to go in episode eight, which I'm assuming many of you will, uh, don't anticipate learning anything about Snoke really. Yeah. Which, which I'm is, totally okay with. Yeah. Same here. I mean, you don't, I, you don't need your villains deconstructed a lot mm-hmm. in, in Star Wars anyway. Uh, if Snoke has been portrayed already as this foreboding 
evil character that's manipulated other people, you know, mm-hmm. I love to focus on the people who've been manipulated because they've got better character stories. And we'll dig up Snoke at another time because I'm more interested in Ray, Luke, Poe, Finn, uh, Rose, mm-hmm. and uh, especially, you know, what's going on elsewhere. Snoke is just kind of like the last thing on my mind. Yeah, I agree with that. But also, the longer they stretch this out, and if it is this sort of like reveal, if you like make this like the big reveal in episode nine, like they better live up to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But at the same time, I don't need much from Snoke either. Yeah. If he if he's just somebody that, like, like you know, was a bookworm and wanted to be a Sith and eventually, you know, got his way there, fine with that. Like, I'm, I'm just more interested in everybody but him. Right, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I do think we're still going to see him a lot because we're going to yes. see Kylo's training, finishing his training. Um, but yeah, I, to know that we're not going to learn that much more about him, I think I'm okay with at mm-hmm. this point. We'll see whether or not it pays off in the movie. Uh, but we did get another tidbit on episode nine, uh, something we've talked about before that, you know, Leia has a big run episode eight, but that she's going to probably have a larger run episode nine. And uh, Vanity Fair asked Kathleen Kennedy about this, and she recant, uh, recounted a conversation she had with Fisher. Uh, while they were filming episode eight or right, right when they finished it or when they're filming seven, I can't remember, but uh, the quote from Kenny says, uh, the minute she finished, she grabbed me and said, I'd better be at the forefront of nine uh, because Harrison was front and center on seven and Mark is front and center on eight. She thought nine would be her movie and it would have been, Yeah, uh, which is kind of is, is sad to know that it's not going to happen, but also uh, a good way to kind of think of this trilogy in a way where, Okay, Han got his movie in seven. Mm-hmm. Luke is getting his big movie in eight. He's going to be back for nine. So not, don't worry about, you know, yeah. oh, well, this, that means that, you know, he's going to die at the end of episode eight. But I mean, I guess he's still good. He can come back as Force Ghost. But right. uh, to know that nine would have been Leia's like huge defining movie is cool. And to know that we're not getting that sucks a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it sucks a lot, especially when Kathleen was recounting it too, because my gut going into these movies was that Harrison and um, Carrie were kind of there reluctantly. Uh, they're there for the paycheck and whatnot. But listening to after seeing Seven and then, you know, listening to everybody talk about how involved Carrie was then mm-hmm. and then Ryan Johnson recount, you know, all of the effort him and Carrie went into to doing this movie and then seeing how excited she was that way. It's like really as a star Wars fan, that was really cool, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. And then to know that they were gearing it up to have Leia go out with a bang, you know, or at least go out with a bang in this trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, that, that really bites because now it feels, it's going to feel incomplete even though right. it ends. And, um, yeah, it sucks to hear. And hopefully, um, Colin Trevorrow and company can, you know, come up with, a. A great way to end it all. Yeah, I mean, there was a line in the Vanity Fair article that said, like, episode eight will be the end of, you know, obviously Carrie Fisher's time, but also Leia as a character, something similar to that, mm-hmm. uh, which makes, I mean, if that's the case, then the thought of recasting Leia for episode nine is very unlikely. They've already confirmed they're not going to CGI her. So it makes me wonder what they're going to do, because if Leia was supposed to have this huge prominent role, does Luke take this huge role on for episode nine? Does Laura Dern? Does nobody? And they kind of just kind of pass along to different things and build up other people's arcs. Um, I'll be very interested to see how this all plays out. Yeah. But also, as I when I see episode nine, 
in May of 2019, I won't be able to help but think, I wonder what this movie was like with Carrie around. Yeah, we're, you're always going to wonder what uh, Trevorrow wrote up. Yeah. You know, because that, that, that's something. One final thing from the Vanity Fair article was Ryan Johnson was blown away about how much uh, freedom he had with episode mm-hmm. eight, which was something that, that that made me feel really good. Yeah. I mean, first knowing Ryan's work, uh, he's great. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that when he got there, they basically told him uh, you could practically go anywhere, but here's a couple things that yeah. you know, quote we, we need, need to, happen, to happen. Yeah. Or we want you to go explore. And he got to the point where he finally just, you know, went out, went down to California and said, okay, well I need help doing this and took mm-hmm. up office space with the writers. He's like, well, I, this is too much freedom. Yeah. So um, whatever Trevorrow's working up, uh, I'm sure will be, uh, will be great. Mm-hmm. And the Vanity Fair article said that episode nine starts shooting next year. Mm-hmm. which I think makes sense because then you can delay any, if you, if you start production after episode eight comes out, then you don't have to worry about, you know, confirming the cast members for nine or letting, you know, being like, Oh, okay. Well, Oscar Isaac is back on set for episode nine. Right. Well, spoiler, that means he's not going to die in episode eight. You know, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Yep. Plus it gives them even more time to figure out what they're going to do without uh, Leia. So moving on to, a uh, movie we're going to be covering in a couple weeks will be The Mummy. And we talked about how it's, it's going to be the start of a hopeful universe for Universal. And uh, they made the announcement official this week that the Dark Universe, as they have, are they going to call it, is moving forward in a big way. Uh, they confirmed that Bill Condon has signed on to direct Bride of Frankenstein, which will hit theaters on February 14th, 2019. Uh, and then they also went on to confirm that Javier Bardem will be playing Frankenstein in this universe. Johnny Depp is the invisible man and that Russell Crowe's Dr. Jekyll and his prodigium company that you've seen a little bit of in the trailers will be the connecting uh, part of this universe. Which is kind of cool, but yeah. I don't get the dark universe thing. I mean, you could have called it Monster Universe. It would have probably made more sense. Yeah, I mean, except, I mean, the Godzilla King Kong thing is called the Monsterverse, so then to have a Monster Universe, oh, okay. it gets a little redundant. I get yes. it. Uh, I liked their logo, the way they revealed it. They had a mm-hmm. very interesting uh, little mini like trailer kind of yeah, for this was, universe that used all footage from previous movies. It was really cool to see, yeah, like a history get told of all of the, you know... All the, the old, previous monster yeah, movies. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. But... Um, I did have a problem with this, though. Okay, what's that? It's the same problem I had with them announcing that we're not getting a Fantastic Beast trilogy. We're getting four Fantastic Beast movies after Fantastic Beast. But oh. they made that announcement before Fantastic mm-hmm. Beast came out. And now, even though I knew that they wanted to do this, uh, I just don't get why they couldn't have waited a couple of weeks to make this announcement. Because now I'm going in knowing, all right, well, I'm seeing this movie, which means I'm kind of signing up and encouraging them to make seven more movies or whatever sure. which is necessarily the case and like i mentioned in our pirates review johnny depp's kind of gone off the deep end a little bit uh what is he gonna as the invisible man he doesn't have a face how i mean that could work maybe but i just i don't know that doesn't seem like the best thing and johnny depp why is he in all these franchises all of a sudden yeah he's you know, definitely he has exploded. pirates he's going to be in pirate six most likely because the producer said that that franchise is going to continue without him now he's going to be in this franchise now he's in fantastic beast next he's going to be in a dc movie or he's going to be in a marvel movie or mm-hmm. fox movie or something like just well, why 
there's the i mean if you want to if you want to follow page six it's because he has a massive spending you know problem (laughs) but uh i don't know how johnny depp works in a role where he has no face but maybe a lot he's looking really elegant in this photo that Mm -hmm. they released so maybe he's got a backstory that they're going to explore as well as you know um what he does as the invisible man what Mm -hmm. does the invisible man actually do is he like a detective or anything i don't really know i just know he has an invisible face and he normally has his band-aids on around him uh which makes him, I think, he would look very similar to a mummy yes, <laughs> in exactly. that regard, which Sophia Batella is confirmed as being the mummy for this universe, which mm-hmm. I think means she is a larger role moving forward, uh, which could you know say whatever you, you want about the mummy, I guess. But also, that photo did have Tom Cruise right in the middle. He's definitely like the big name of this thing, mm-hmm. but he's just playing some guy named like Tom or something. Yeah. Uh, that can't be the case. Right. He so, has to be somebody else, whether he's going to be the Wolfman or he's going to be, you know, Van Helsing and be kind of the guy that hunts these, all these monsters. Eventually he, he's not just going to be some regular dude. Right. So that, why, why else would I, Tom Cruise do this? I think he's there to replace, um, what's his name? Dr. Jekyll. Really? Yeah. Played by Russell Crowe. Yeah. I think Russell Crowe's going to go off the deep end and he'll be like this leader of this international organization that hunts down monsters because what else do you do with it? What is it called? Prodigium. Prodigium. Yeah. So that's like the connecting thread. Yeah. Prodigium would be like the shield of the MCU. Yeah, absolutely. So then you're saying that Tom Cruise will take over Prodigium? I think he'll be a key part of it. And I, mean, I could see know, that. Like, like a he, Van Helsing. He, he could be the Phil Coulson oh, of this yeah, universe. Sure. Um, you know, they should have gotten Clark Gregg. My only, yeah, absolutely. There's only one Coulson, really. Yes. But my question is, at the end of the day, what's the end game for all mm-hmm. these movies? Where's the culmination? Right. Or is it just, oh, we're putting Tom Cruise in all of these movies? Yeah. The end. Yeah. I don't, I've, I have no that'd idea. That'd be interesting. We'll have to wait and see. It does make me wonder if The Mummy will have some sort of you know, post credit scene or there will be a montage sequence of, you know, Dr. Jekyll explaining the history of the monsters on earth. And then we'll see a photo of Javier Bardem as Frankenstein. We'll see Mm -hmm. a thing of the invisible man. We'll see uh, all these other monsters and just kind of set up that universe that way. Or if it'll be a post credit thing or whatever, because otherwise why I don't see why else you would announce this at this time and then Mm -hmm. not have it pay off. If you go see the mummy. Yes, exactly. So I get it from that perspective where you announce this, people who are like, oh, I like Frankenstein, but I wasn't really interested in Mummy. But if Javier Bardem is going to show up in the Mummy, then I I go I can go check that out and get a first look. Yeah. But at the same time, could have left it as a surprise. I don't think it's going to really drastically improve the Mummy's box office by announcing that it's part of a shared universe at this point. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So last uh, story we're going to have time to cover today couple of the stuff from we had in the flyby we're not gonna be able to get to uh but we had word this week from deadline that tom holland has another franchise not only is he spider-man but he's going to play a young nathan drake in the uncharted franchise Ooh, i did not see them going this way no but i think it makes total i mean it makes perfect sense yeah absolutely especially if you're sony and you want to double down mm-hmm. on a great actor that people are just you know like mm-hmm. in love with right now and you don't want to mess with the continuity of your video game series. Yeah. So it's, I think it's perfect. And then I don't know if you haven't seen Lost City of Z yet, have you? No. No. It's it's the con- logical next step for him because uh, it's it's very much the same. He's like this. He's emulating mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Hunnam's character as like this Indiana Jones adventurer. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure it was an easy 
you know, step to connect the dots. Yeah, it sounds like they reconfigured their franchise a little bit to make it so Tom Holland can work in this because I think before they were going to go the traditional route of, okay, well, let's just get a Chris Pratt type mm-hmm. and have an actual Nathan Drake story. But then like, okay, well, their idea now is to base the movies off of something that happened in the video games, like yeah. a, a flashback sequence where they show Nathan Drake meeting his mentor, whose name is uh, Sullivan. Yeah. Sullivan, yeah. yeah. Um, so it sounds like this actually is going to connect to the video games, which could either be good or bad. Yeah. Because uh, they could hinder them in terms of creative freedom where they can take the character but also from what i understand that that it's just a very small part of the third game and now you'll have tom holland as a 21 year old i think that's how old tom holland is he can play a quote-unquote young nathan drake for you know 10 years and then either continue on and be the regular nathan drake and mm-hmm. like retell the video games or you can recast him eventually and give an older person that, that that job yeah it's it's a it's a really great idea because you get it's a brief look it's like a um it's like a little mini mini game if mm-hmm. you will just to connect a couple dots um through an adventure and uh it'll be it'll be perfect because then you'll get to see your character kind of grow up with a franchise that has told stories masterfully um, and that's one thing you can say about the Uncharted series. So if there's a video game movie that I think will succeed now with Tom Holland's, uh, it's going to be this and Tomb Raider, you know, showing, yeah. you know, in an ultimate showdown. So it's very, it's very cool. Yeah. If you had to place a bet on which one's going to be the better uh, franchise kickoff based on a video game, which would it be? I, you know what? I, I my gut says it'll be uncharted but that's just because i've played one of the games and it's mm-hmm. a really it's really well done um but the tomb raider the new tomb raiders were incredibly good too the so, new one oh the, the new games ones, yes they oh, launched two. i think you're talking about like the movies and i was yes. like those aren't necessarily new and i wouldn't necessarily qualify them as good either yeah no it, i mean they were definitely a part of the let's make everything mm-hmm. uh rush but angelina jolie that's an iconic role for her even yeah. if the movies were you know a total bust mm-hmm. yeah so. i would probably i i think Tomb Raider is going to be technically the, like the first good video game movie um, in the minds of many, even though I still have a soft spot for Prince of Persia sure. because of Jake Gyllenhaal. But uh, if I had to put money on which one's going to be the better one, I do. I, I would agree with you and put my money on Uncharted because yeah. it has Tom Holland as the lead. Uh, it sounds like an interesting way to integrate it within the video game world. Plus, it has Sean Levy as the director who... Uh, Real Steel thinks a really underrated movie. He's also been involved in a lot of really good projects as a producer. So he has an eye to make things good. And I think him and Holland make a good combo. Uh, and I think the idea of Holland, not only he's like, he has all the acrobatic stuff to do Spider-Man, but he can also, I think he's gonna be able to do his own stunts in Uncharted and yeah. do all the free climbing and parkour and stuff, uh, which should work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's all the news we got, uh, which means it's all we got for this episode. So what are we going to do next week? Well, next week we're getting to go see Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, because the screenings are open to everyone, yeah. <laughs> you yes. know. Uh, some, uh, did you follow that? Yes, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't... Uh, if, you're, if you're upset that a movie called Wonder Woman, that they're having, I believe, as of right now, two showings in the entire country... 
uh, for women only, and you're a man that's upset about that, you just need to get a Se- like, just re- rethink your life, man. Seven days, you can't wait. I just or well, whatever. It was, I think 10 yeah. Days? I don't even remember because I think it's it's like the same. Like it's just one showing at one location. <laughs> like it's yes. just it, just get over it. But anyways, we are going to see Wonder Woman. That's uh, why we can't have nice things. We're going to do a preview episode, which you guys will be able to hear tomorrow or in two days from now, mm-hmm. uh, which if you're listening to this on the day it dropped, type Memorial Day. Um, but things are, are going to be a little different next week. I am going to be in Florida uh, for the next two weeks. So we're going to be doing episodes over Skype. So the audio quality may not be as great. Uh, but we'll do our best to make sure it sounds the best. Um, but as for Wonder Woman... After we hear our preview episode, or before you hear our preview episode, give the people a little tease of you know why you're interested in the movie. Well, first of all, it has an amazing cast. Um, Gal Gadot uh, is a fantastic actress. That, not to mention, she's joined by one of my favorite uh, people working right now, Robin Wright, who doesn't seem like she'll be in the movie a lot, but just looks epic uh, in every part of the movie. And then also... Uh, Chris Pine's going to show up and be mm-hmm. himself. So that's great. Uh, and everything looks epic about this movie from the action to um, the story. And it's also has a place in the DC universe, which I want to get excited about. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Wonder Woman is finally the movie where I can say, yes. Mm-hmm. What about you, Cooper? Yeah. I mean, it's getting good word of mouth, which is great. Uh, I've loved the whole marketing. Um, I just watched Monster last night, which is Patty Jenkins' oh, only yeah. directorial effort. Great movie. Uh, I thought Gal Gadot was gr- really good in Batman v Superman. So uh, it has all the makings to be a really good movie. It looks like it's going to achieve those goals and not let me down. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm super, super, super excited for this movie. Legit. Uh, I, I just want as long as it's good, I'll be pleased. So you have to tune in. Tune into our preview episode to hear a more in-depth breakdown of the characters, what we think the plot could be, what we how how good a uh, movie we think it's going to be, or what the box office could be, even though we're typically not very good at predicting those numbers. Um, we're going to take another shot at it. But uh, tune into that, and then tune in next week for our review. Uh, we're also doing another giveaway right now. If you head over to iTunes, give us a review. You can win a Pirates of the Caribbean 5 AMC IMAX exclusive poster. It's actually pretty cool. Uh it's it's not like the Spider-Man Homecoming poster if you're familiar with that one, but uh, go do that. Help us out. Give us a review because it would help us out. Just give us five stars plus comments. Um, plus, you can share the, this episode on you know Twitter and Facebook and just share it. Subscribe, everything else. Um, but that's it. So during our time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts. Everything covered by between us at Friends and Film. We're used to updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can find me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Yeah. So, thanks again for tuning in to the final, not the final, why did I say final? I don't know why I said that. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week for our view of Wonder Woman.